Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. This morning, we're going to jump into a brand new sermon series. Now, last week we spoke about the Holy Spirit. It was Pentecost Sunday, um, and, and it was so amazing. I mean, but since we spoke about that Sunday, I just couldn't get off the topic of the Holy Spirit. I just love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. love speaking about Him. love to know what God has given us because there's so many Christians, I think, in life that doesn't even know what God has given us. We need to realize that it is impossible to fully serve our God without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to serve Him with all the benefits of that relationship with God without knowing Him, knowing the Holy Spirit and, he, and having the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's like when I was younger, it was always a Sunday afternoon and I wanted uh, something sweet at home. And there was no sweets or there was no nothing. And, um, and I reminded me always, I, I always reminded myself, oh yes, my mother have, um, have ingredients to bake a cake. So I always dived into a ingredients um, or a recipes and uh, I got all the ingredients together. And this happened a couple of times. I got all the ingredients together and I started mixing up this cake mixture and I got the cake pan and I scrubbed the cake pan with butter or I sprayed it with spray and cook. And, and as I was doing that, <clears throat> man, my mouth started watering for cake. I really wanted cake, but I knew I had to wait for this cake to still go into the oven. But finally, when that time came and that oven opened and I took that cake out, that cake was as flat as the free state. And I reminded me that I forgot to put baking powder in the cake. And it happened a couple of times. <laughs> now, so many times, and I had to eat that flat cake. Mind me, I was so, I was, I mean, I was so worked up. I put thick icing on that thing and I just ate it. But it reminds me that there's so many Christians that go through life with a, with a great Christian cake mix. We just mix everything. I mean, it's so amazing. But until life gets heated and the oven doors go open and we realize that, that they've, I mean, there's never been substance in our lives and the cake never rose. I mean, it's happened, it happened to me so many times. I realized that why didn't the cake rise? I had a great mix as a Christian. Yeah? But see, we need the Holy Spirit as much as a cake mix needs baking powder. So much. And sometimes we miss this. You see, the Holy Spirit is the most important part of our Christian walk with the Father. It's the most important part. You see, God, the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit on earth that fellowships with us on a daily basis if we let Him. God and Jesus speak through their Spirit to us on a daily basis. It's our meditator. I know the Word says that Jesus is the meditator between us and God, but they all speak through the Holy Spirit to us on earth on a daily basis. You see, Holy Spirit is also the physical power of God on earth. Isn't that amazing? It's the physical creative power of God. The same power who rose Jesus from the dead, the same power who, do, who did every miracle on earth, who created the heavens, who created the mountains, everything around you, and still His Spirit lives in us. Isn't that amazing? It's tough to wrap your mind around that, to know that the power of God, the Holy Spirit lives in me and you. Now, this morning, I want to start a new series. And, 
And I want to continue almost on the Pentecost Sunday and continue on what we spoke about. But we're calling the sermon series RE or RE. And, and you'll see here is, is our image that we have for our sermon. Some of you received the image this week on our WhatsApp, our Facebook, you've seen it. And, and we love to put an image on something, but this is what it's all about. Now, RE or RE is a prefix. Now, it can also be a pre presupposition that you put on front of an email or RE and you reply, but we want to use it in terms of a prefix. Now, a prefix is something that we put in front of a word to add meaning, and the meaning is to do again. To do again. Now, um, the other definition for a prefix is also to return something to its original state. So if you add that prefix re, re in front of a word, it means that you're going to return this word to its previous state, to its original state. Now, we're going to look at three, we three words and three weeks. And the three words is the following, set, align and start. Now, <coughs> we're going we, to take this three word and add the prefix re in front of every word. Reset how we see and perceive church. We're going to reset it. We're going to realign our focus as believers. And then we're going to restart with a fresh outlook on church. And I believe that's what God is taking us and what He's been doing in our hearts. Now I want to start today with the word reset. Reset. Have you ever set things in line? And then you realize you've done it wrong and you have to reset it? We all have. Now... I don't know if you've noticed in the last couple of weeks and since we started with lockdown, but there was one word on every prophetic minister, every prophetic lip that I know was, was this word. That they're saying that God is resetting the church. God is resetting us individually. God is resetting our family values. He's resetting our devotion. The other thing that the people also said that is also said that things will never be the same again. Have you heard that? I mean, I've heard that so many times, so many people. And I thought to myself, every time I hear those things, I think, but what do you mean? What does that actually mean if you say things will never be the same again? Is it the end of the world? So many people, I mean, there's so many things that people came out with. What do you mean it says things will never be the same? But now, yes, I understand that that we, have to, we had to build new routines through lockdown. We had to, we had to work, um, we, we actually discovered the benefit of working remotely. We, we, we found online platforms and we all were, were, um, were so clued up with Zoom at the moment. Now we had all those benefits and I know it's going to change things in our lives and what we do. So what is the new norm? What is the new norm? If you think, who is setting the new norm? The world or the church? And we need to make that decision as Christians. You know, let's first look at the word reset. If we want to speak about reset, what does the word reset mean? The dictionary actually said, say the following definition of reset. It says to set, adjust or fix in a new, different way. You'll see the definition right here. To set, adjust or fix in a new or different way. Way. That's why I said, if you ever said something and you realize it's wrong, you have to reset it. You have to fix what you've done wrong. Now, my question is, let's think about this question to, under, to explain this a bit more. Have you ever had to reset your computer, your phone, or even your Wi-Fi router? We've done that so many times because we're so, so um, 
we need our internet so much now, nowadays. Now, if you've ever had to reset your computer, your phone, or your router, now, when you reset it, you need to, we always think, what is, the, what is causing me to reset this router? Why do I have to reset my computer, reset my phone, reset the thing? That, and it's usually because it is too slow. Or maybe it is locked up or is frozen. I mean, we all know about something that's frozen. You have to reset. Sometimes I grew up in, a, in the TV games. You remember that TV games that you had to plug that thing in? And while you're playing, sometimes that thing just froze. But the game had a little reset button on it. And always when you reset that game, you can start all over again. But it was so annoying because you were on stage 50. And you had to replay all the stages. But you could reset that thing to take it back to normal or to its initial state. Now, if we are talking and, talking and prophesying about reset in church and in our lives, we need to ask ourselves, what was the initial state of the church? What was the initial state of, of when God called the church and called us? Now, I want to go to our first scripture today, and it's in Matthew 16. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, if you're following in your Bible. Matthew 16. And I'm going to read verse 18 and 19. It says the following. It says, Now I say to you, and this is Jesus speaking to Peter. He says, Now I'm saying to you that you are Peter, which, name, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the power of hell, powers of hell will not conquer it. And it will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you uh, forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, when Jesus made this powerful statement with his disciples all around him, everyone around him thought he was talking about Peter. That Peter, you are the rock and on you I will build my church. But if you go and look at the, the true scriptures, now, when they translated all the Bibles, they put commas and things and extra definitions in the Bible through all the translations through all the years. But if you look at the, the context of the scripture, Jesus is actually talking about himself. You see what happened is Jesus... Um, Jesus asked Peter, see Peter, who am I? And Peter answered him and said, you are the son of, you are the, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, flesh and bone did not reveal it to you, but my, but my God in heaven. And I say, you, Jesus said, you said who I am. Let me tell you who you are. You are Peter and your name means rock. But on this rock, Jesus, I will build my church. Now, Psalm 118 verse 22 it was a word prophesied by the psalm writer. It says the following. It's also in the New Living Translation. It says, The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Has now become the cornerstone. Now, if you look at the scripture, it sounds familiar. We've all heard this. We've, we've listened sermons about it. You've read this in the Bible. But it was actually the first time it was prophesied and written in Psalms. And Jesus quoted this scripture in Matthew, Mark, and in the Gospels, and Luke. In all three Gospels, he quoted this, referring to himself being the cornerstone of the church. You see, Peter couldn't be the center and the cornerstone of the church because then Jesus would have lied when he spoke about it. Because Jesus knew he was the cornerstone. He was the center of the church being, um, uh, that was on its brink to be birthed. Now, my question that, that, that I need to, that we need to ask as Christians is, why would Jesus want to build a church when the church was already established by Moses? 
There was already a church. Jesus preached in the church. I mean, there was a Jewish, there was, I mean, we all know the church. It was Jesus' custom to go to church, to go to the temple. So why would he want to build a new church? Now, the answer is quite simple. Jesus knew that, that God's plan could not work under the old covenant or under the law. It was impossible. It was restricting and it couldn't work. And this is why. Because with the cross and with the resurrection of Jesus, there was a reset button pushed in the church. The church was reset with one ultimate sacrifice. One ultimate sacrifice. And that was Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Jesus had to reset the church for what was coming. He had to rebirth, reset and realign this church and restart this church for what was to come and what we are living in today. Now, this reset moment turned the church from a law-driven church to a grace-driven church. From law to grace. It took the church from passive to active and advancing. Isn't that amazing? See, we have an advancing church. We don't have a passive church. We have an advancing, active, active, alive church. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt passive in your Christian faith. You experience the Holy Spirit. You can never feel passive. And we'll see later on why. And then thirdly, it, Jesus, when he pushed that reset button with the cross and re resurrection, it took us from a religiously led to a spirit-led church. Let me say that again. It took us from a religiously led to a spirit-led church. Isn't that amazing? Now, when the disciples sat in that inner room, waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, I don't think they knew what was coming, <laughs> to be honest. I don't think they had a clue or an idea what was coming. It's almost like us sitting on the, on the, on the 28th of February this year. We had no clue what would come within a month from then. We would sit in our houses um, uh, in, in lockdown. That's the same with them. Now I want to pick this sermon up from the moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out. That powerful moment where flames came and sat on their shoulders and they started speaking in tongues and they ran out in the streets and it was a commotion. It was, it was, <laughs> it was revival. Now I want to pick it up there right at that moment when the new church was birthed. Because that was in a moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out and people started being spirit-led and not led by religious law that, that, um, that, that was not beneficial to them. It was only religious. Now, all of the 120 disciples in it were filled with the Spirit in one moment. They were powerfully filled with the Spirit in that moment. Now they ran into the street and they started speaking in tongues and the word says that people from all around the world was in Jerusalem at that stage and they all heard, hey, somebody's speaking my language. And it was a commotion. And in that moment, Peter realized this is a moment and by the power of the Spirit, he stood up and he preached a sermon. Now this was not just any sermon. This was probably one of the most successful sermons ever preached because 3,000 people came to Christ in one moment. In one moment. Now, if we look at that sermon, if we look at that sermon, he wasn't sharing new revelations. He wasn't sharing new amazing things that the people never heard. He was quoting scripture that people knew. 
And he was stated that Jesus was the resurrected Messiah. That's, that's what he did. And he was speaking to people. And I want, you to, I want you to remind this. He was speaking to people who was in the crowd who yelled that Jesus needed to be crucified. This was the crowd, the mob, that had Jesus crucified. This was not any other crowd. This was the crowd in Jerusalem. Now what was different? What was different in this moment? Let's read Acts 2 verse 37 to 41. Acts 2 verse 37 to 41. You'll, you can follow with me as I go along. Yeah. It says the following. And the first few words says it, it, it exactly. Acts 2 37 to 41. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. Isn't that amazing? His words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? What should we do? <laughs> Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the promise, and I love this scripture, this, this verse, it says, The promises to you, your children, and those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. All have been called by the Lord our God. And that actually means that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. It is for everyone. Not just for a chosen few. It is for everyone. Then verse 41, listen to verse 41. It says, Those who believe that Peter said, or what Peter said, were baptized in the Spirit, I wasn't water baptized. This was a Holy Spirit fire baptism. And they were added to that church, about 3,000. Now, for me as a pastor, this is amazing. You plant a church and within the first week, the church grows in the first two days. In the first moment, the church grew with 3,000 people. <laughs> Just think about that. I mean, I mean, you can't have a building for those kind of things. A church with 3,000 people in one moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the people didn't get added to the church because Peter were more knowledgeable than the leaders or the religious leaders. No, no. No, no. They were convicted by the Holy Spirit. They were convicted. You see, the Holy Spirit convicted their hearts, not their brains. There was a Holy Spirit conviction in their hearts. There was, there was anything other than they've heard all their lives in the temple. By the religious leaders. You see, there was a reset from religion to grace. From religion to, um, to an active advancing Christianity. From religion to spirit-filled Christianity. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of reset we need. Now, Lord turned to grace. Passive turned to active. Religion turned to spirit leading. I love that. And that's how... That, and that was how the church started. That was exactly how it was, with a powerful, spiritual moment, with the boldness of men and women who spoke without any fear. Now see, that's God's focus. And I, th I believe that's God's focus with us when He says, I want to reset you. I want to reset the church. I want to reset your devotion. I want to reset your family values. I want to reset, reset, whatever you can fill in there. God wants us to come back to being spirit-led when we go into our family values, when we do church, when we do our devotion. It's a spirit-led focus. Now, uh, let's go on. 
after this amazing moment in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, this amazing, I mean, there must have been a commotion in Jerusalem. We go to Acts 3, just the next chapter. And this was about one or two days after the Holy Spirit was powerfully, powerfully <laughs> poured out into Jerusalem. With 3,000, first 120, then the 3,000. And then let's pick it up. And I want to I I take something out where we fit in as a church for today. Now in Acts 3 verse 1 to 10, it's 10 scriptures. I'm going to read the 10 scriptures. You can follow with me. And I'm going to speak about it for a little bit. Are you ready? So Acts 3 verse 1 to 10, I'm speaking out of the New Living Translation. It says the following, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. Now, as they approached, verse 2, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put aside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now when he saw Peter, verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for some money, like a lawyer lame beggar usually do. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently. I want you to remember that. They looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. Verse 5, the layman looked at them eagerly, eagerly, expecting some money. Then verse 6, but Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold, but what I'll give you, uh, sorry, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ in Nazarene, uh, sorry, in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the layman by the right hand, helped him up, and as he as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Then verse 8, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw, saw him working, walking and heard him praising God when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate. Everyone saw him. They were absolutely astounded. <laughs> then last verse, they say, they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Now, I know that not everything was on the screen here, but only the ones that I wanted you to focus on this morning. Now, let's, let's look at it again. Here we see the story of Peter and John going to the temple as it was their custom, as it was their custom with Jesus. They went to the temple every afternoon and they prayed and they, they fellowshiped and they had communion. Now here we saw a layman that asked for money. It's a layman that was at the gate next to the temple. Um, and and as, we, as we listen, as we see this layman, we see two very important things. Firstly, he was lame from birth. He didn't become lame. He was lame from, he was, he was born lame. And the second one is, he sat at that gate mostly every day of his life, since he could. Well, the Bible isn't very clear of that, but it says that he was there every day. Now, and the fact that this man was at that gate every day for a very long time, it means that Jesus must have walked past him with the disciples many times. Because Jesus went to the temple at Jerusalem so many times. <laughs> and, it, and we can ask, well, why didn't Jesus heal him? Why didn't Jesus pray for him? But I think maybe Jesus knew what was coming. 
Maybe Jesus knew that Peter and John would walk past this man and it would create something for the new church. See, Jesus was very intentional. Now let's go on. When this man saw Peter and John, he asked for money. Now I thought, they, they probably gave this man money already. Because when he asked him, he eagerly expected something. Now look what happened. Peter and John looked at him intently. Intently. Now, have, you, if, <laughs> have anybody ever looked at you intently? Do you feel comfortable when somebody looked to you intently? No, we don't. It is uncomfortable. I look at you intently. Even when Peter said to him, look at me. Now, I believe that he said this because they wanted to see if this man had faith to receive. They wanted to see, do you have faith to receive today? Now, verse 5, it says, this man actually asked expectantly to receive from them. He was, he was expectantly. I mean, I love Peter's response. This man was speaking who was just filled. Now, Peter was a man. He was just filled with the Spirit. A day or two ago, he had a powerful moment. 3,000 people got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Peter, and he said to him the following. He says, I do not have gold or silver. I can't give you what you want, but I will give you what I have. I will give you what I have. I want you to catch this. I will give you what I have. You see, Peter didn't ask God to heal this man. He just healed him. Because he had something different than he had before. There was something different in his life. He was empowered by the Spirit to tell to the lame man, stand up and walk. Exactly as Jesus did. Now Peter, isn't that amazing? You see, this wasn't Peter's power. It wasn't Peter's power. It was God's power. But it was through Peter's authority. The authority that Jesus paid for. The authority that God gave him. See, God hasn't given us power to, to do miraculous things. So, sorry. God has given us His power to do miraculous things. And we have to exercise the authority He has given us to see that power released. You see, you have the power. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have power to do miracles. To see the impossible. But you need to exercise the authority that God has given us. You see, it's a very important point. Now look at Peter's faith. I love this. He took the man by the right hand and he lifted him up. He lifted him up. And the man was instantly healed, but only when he pulled him up. Now, this was a remarkable miracle. It was actually a few miracles in one. It was a few miracles in one. See, this man was born lame. Now that means his muscles wasn't anywhere developed to walk. He's never walked in his life before. <laughs> he didn't know how to walk. Somebody had to teach him. But as Peter grabbed his hand, the Bible says the man jumped up and he started walking. Jumped from lame, nothing, born lame, to jumping. The, the, the word actually says leaping, praising God. Walking, leaping and praising God. Isn't that amazing? Now, Peter acted in faith. He acted in faith. But the lame man also acted in faith for letting Peter pull him up. Because if you're lame, if somebody pulls you up, you're going to fall on your face. So he had to show faith to let someone pull him up. And as he had faith for him to pull him up, the miracle happened. Isn't that amazing? 
You see, isn't that amazing? True faith doesn't carry its full power until we act upon it. Until we act upon it. Some of us have faith, so many faith, but we need to act upon it. You need to act on that faith. Like Louise said, she, she had faith for God to do something. And as she acted and kept on working and kept on working, there was action with her faith. You see, faith without works is dead, as Paul said later in the scriptures. Now, this was the, this was the, it, there was first true faith, then there was action, and then there was a physical result. And that's how it happens, always in that, in that order. Faith, action, results. Isn't that amazing? Now, when we allow the Spirit to lead us, the Holy Spirit to come and lead us, not our religious thinking or our theology or what we think will happen. No, no. When we let the Holy Spirit lead us, we truly see revival. We will truly see revival happen. Now, we can't afford not to be filled with the Spirit. I don't know about you. We can't afford not to be. We need, to, we need it as much as a human being needs water to survive. We need the Spirit for our spiritual walk to be the man and the woman that God has called us to become. I believe um, if God is taking the church through a reset, if He is taking you or me through a reset or our family or whatever, then He is taking us back to its initial state of church. He's taking us back to that. Because it says when you reset something, it's taking it back to its initial state, the way it was. Now, true power and purpose, sorry, the true purpose for us as a church is, is exactly that. It is, is, it is its initial state to receive and to release the power of God. That's what we were called to do, to receive and to release the power of God. Now, I know the church has advanced and grown so much since the disciples' time. I mean, you can't go and live like the disciples have lived. I mean, we can, with one click of a Facebook button, I can reach the world like we're doing right now. And that is where the church has advanced to. But our initial goal for being a Christian and for the church that Jesus has planted and birthed is to be spirit-led. It's to be spirit-led in everything we do as we worship, as we sing, as we have fellowship, as we eat together, as we, as we have church together, is to be spirit-led. Not to be spirit weird, to be spirit led. To be spirit led is mean to let the spirit lead you and mature you in everything you do. Now, maybe this morning as I'm speaking, you feel inadequate. So, Kenny, but I hear what you're saying. But I don't feel like I can do what Peter and John did. I don't feel like I can walk out in the street and do miracles and do. Now, I'm not saying you need to do that. <laughs> I'm not saying that theology or being being a master in theology is wrong. I'm just saying this can't that can't be our first thing. Our first thing needs to be spirit led. And maybe you feel that I feel fearful of going out and praying for everybody. What will people think of me? How can I do this? I'm not I'm not a, a good with scriptures or a great theologian. But let's read the story further, and I want to show you something that follows right after this. With this miracle, with this miracle of the man, everybody knew this man, who sat at the beautiful gate next to the temple door, everyone. And when this man got healed and ran around and shouted, I mean, they said, walking, leaping. Have you seen people who leaps? That You leap because you are excited, you are full of joy. 
He was walking, leaping, praising God. It was a commotion in the temple right there. And everybody came to look. And the word said in, in Acts 4, if you go over to Acts 4, and uh, we'll, we'll go to a scripture now. It says that the people were so stirred that they didn't know what was happening. They wanted to come and see, the, check this thing out. And it stood such a commotion <laughs> that Peter and John were arrested and thrown into jail. Because the religious leaders wanted to, to, um, to debate this thing. And they wanted to know what happened. And they couldn't because it was the end of the day. And they threw them in jail to the next morning. So the next morning, this is what happened. They brought them before the council. They brought them before the council. Now, this was the Jerusalem council. This was all the rulers, all the elders, all the teachers of religious law. This was the guys who crucified Jesus a few weeks ago. This was the people who were so jealous of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that they crucified him. They killed him. And they, they stirred up a mob to, to help them to get Jesus to be crucified. Now, this was the people that Peter was afraid of. And that's why Peter denied Christ. Now this was the same man who denied Christ because of fear of the religious leaders now standing in front of them. And he's about to say the following thing. Listen to this. Acts 4 verse 8 to 11. It says the following. Then Peter. Listen, this is the same man who was afraid. He says, Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders, of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? <laughs> Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful, by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, remember the scripture? It says, the stone that you builders rejected now became the cornerstone. Now, I love this. It says, the stone that you builders rejected. I could just see Peter pointing at the elders and the Sadducees and the high priest. He didn't say the stone that the builders. He says, the stone that you builders, you guys rejected the Messiah that you prophesied about for years and years. And you rejected the same man you prophesied about and you killed him. And because that happened, Jesus had to press reset in church life. He had to rebirth the church that you know as elders and as rulers and as high priests. Isn't that powerful? Uh, Peter in front of every Jewish leader, <laughs> every Jewish leader and high priest, he proclaimed that Jesus has reset the church. Right there. He said, you have rejected the Messiah. And therefore the Messiah had to reset and relaunch the church that is not religiously led, but that will be spirit led. Without the law, but with grace. See, he confirmed that because the law and religious have re religion have rejected the very Messiah they prophesied about, he empowered every believer... He empowered every believer, like Peter and John, to be spirit-led. But what I love from the story the most, I love from it the most, if you feel inadequate or you maybe feel like I feel so many days in my life, listen to the, to, to the elders and the, the religious leaders, listen to their response 
in verse 13. Acts 4 verse 13. They say, the men after, this is after Peter spoke to them. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. No special training in what? In the scriptures. So these men, the religious law, the best that the Jewish religion had in Jerusalem were meeting. And they even were, they were, they were shocked by Peter and John that they were ordinary men and they had no special training in the scriptures. Yet, there was so much power that came through their lives. That a man, a, a man that was lame, that all of them knew, and probably have given some alms to or money to. Peter and John walked by and said, I'll give you what God has given me. Stand up and walk. And a mighty miracle happened. You see, we are not called to be masters in theology. Although it's good, it's not wrong. But we are called to be lovers of God that is filled with the Spirit. Filled and empowered with the Spirit. That is our initial intent and our purpose. Nothing else. Our initial intent is to be passionate for God, love God, love the people, and to be filled to the overflow of His Spirit. I want to encourage us all today that God has called us, everyone, all of us, every one of us, like Peter said, this Spirit is not just for me, but for me, for you, for your children, for everyone. This is the Spirit is for all of us. But it is for us to walk in the power and the fullness of the Spirit. That is our initial, initial, initial purpose. That's the initial purpose of the church. To not be a passive church, but to be an active church. To be a church not driven by law, but driven by grace into people's lives. So that people don't feel guilty, but they feel free because of what Jesus done for them. And through our lives, we need to release grace. We need to re release an active response and advancing God's church. Like people have been given food and been been uh, giving relief to people all over. But also we are called to not get stuck at religious things, but <laughs> move on to be spirit-led. To be spirit-led in everything we do. Now I want to close with this. Peter and John was ordinary fishermen. They were ordinary fishermen. And maybe you say, Bahini, but these guys, they walked with Jesus for three years. They were discipled by Jesus. I'm, I'm not discipled. What am I doing? I mean, I'm, it doesn't matter. Because the Spirit comes and fill you and empower you and give you the boldness to take the word. If you read Acts 2 and you read that moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it says they were filled with the power and boldness to be, um, to be evangelists, to evangelize and to speak. Now, it doesn't mean that all of us need to be super evangelists and go all out into the world. But it means that God has given us boldness to live a powerful life. Boldness to speak when we don't feel we can say anything. I can tell you, I mean, if I can keep you busy today by just saying that I had to walk into meetings in, in, in 18 to 20 years of ministry. I had to walk into meetings where a mic was put in my hands, not prepared, not even knew that I had to speak. And when I started speaking, God started moving. And it was some of the most powerful meetings in my life without preparing. Why? Because I'm, I'm empowered by a spirit. 
Sometimes I, I, I wanted to ask him, I know, make, just make sure you record this sermon because I want to listen to this afterwards. <laughs> That's how much the Holy Spirit works through us. So I want to encourage you never, to, never to, to doubt the Holy Spirit's work through your life. Never doubt what God can do through your life to the one or two or three or thousands of people that, that you know. Because God is about to release His Spirit again. And again and again and every day when you wake up and you invite the Holy Spirit again to come and fellowship and have communion with you, it, it, conf it confirms the power of God in our lives. And there's so many days that I open my Bible and I sit there and I'm tired. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't experience the Holy Spirit. But I know that He is in my life. I know that He is present all the time, every time in my life. No matter if I feel like it or not. See, God is not, is not a God of emotion. He's a God of spirit. And through spirit, He speaks to spirit. And therefore, I, I would write, like Romans 8 says, we need to activate our spirit to come alive every day. We, do, we can't walk according to the flesh, but to the spirit. And although our flesh is weak, we can activate our spirit to do extraordinary things. Now, maybe you, in a moment today, that, that you say, Henny, but I need a reset. I need a reset in my life. I need a reset in my belief. I need a reset in my marriage. I need a reset in my relationships. I need a reset in my family. I need a reset in my job, in my business. I need a reset. I need you, Lord God, to take it to the, its initial state of what you've called it to be. Maybe your marriage is not in a good place and you need that marriage to get to that place where you fell in love again. God can do that. Maybe your relationship with your children is not where it's supposed to be. And you've almost felt like you've, you've lost connection with them and they're out of the house and you, you're trusting God for that connection to be rekindled. Maybe you feel that your devotional place is not in the place it needs to be and you want to experience more of the Holy Spirit. There are so many examples I can use this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to invite you to to open your heart this morning for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you. No matter what you've done in your life, what you feel inadequate or adequate, God can do so much through your life. And He will. He still, he, God is going to do amazing things still through your life. Some of you are going to write songs that's going to change nations. Some of you is going to, going to disciple men or women that's going to reach thousands. Some of you are going to start businesses that's going to change the way we see business. We just need to trust God to be spirit-led and not be holed up by religious thinking and waiting passively for God to do things when He's calling us to stand up actively. Like Peter grabbing that layman and pulling him up. God wants that kind of faith this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. Maybe, maybe you can close your eyes. Maybe you can hold hands. But if you're trusting God to bring a reset in your life today, not even in the church or in your business, whatever place you need God to do a reset, I want you to stretch your hand to the camera this morning or to the screen or whatever you're looking for while you're holding your, a hand of someone or holding your other hand on your heart. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit today to touch you, to touch your life, to fill you up anew. To come and encourage you this morning where you feel discouraged. 
So let's pray together. Father, I pray this morning. Holy Spirit, you are not a respecter of space or person. You are there exactly where you want us to be. We invite you into every room, every place this people are watching this live feed right now. And I command your spirit to come and press the reset button right now. In that life, in that devotion, in that family, in that business, in that marriage right now, in Jesus' name. Father, you are not a God who, who, who can do some things and other things you, you're still wondering. You are the God of the impossible. You can do anything and everything we trust you. So Lord, we put our faith out today. And I know that as, our, as we put our faith out right now, as you're putting your faith out, as you're trusting God to do a miracle in your life, now you need to start expecting. So Father, we expect, like the layman expected a miracle. He expected something from Peter and John. Lord, we expect you to do great things in our lives. Lord, I pray that you give us situations or opportunities this week to speak about you to to make an impact in others lives just by a smile or love or something we give or, or whatever you tell us to do and our father i thank you holy spirit to come and show us your goodness and show us that you've brought us back to that initial state to be spirit led father i pray that that you will fill everyone who's watching this live stream today fill them with your spirit Fill them with your goodness. Fill them with, with a life that is guilt-free and where we stand up in freedom in you. I pray for every marriage, every relationship with, between mother and child and father and child, every business. In Jesus' name. Father, I even pray for every person listening to this live stream that they're trusting you for a miracle. And I pray that you touch their bodies right now I command every sickness and every pain to leave in Jesus' name, to bow its knee to Jesus, who has defeated the enemy in every way. That means every sickness, every pain, every depression, every anxiety, every emotional state is changing to a place where God has called us to be spirit-filled. Father, I thank you for change this morning. I thank you that you are the God who changed and not us. We don't have to do or perform or be great or, or do great religious things for you to come through for us. You love, you love us just the way we are. Jesus, when he was baptized, you were, <coughs> you were pleased with him without him doing anything. And therefore you are pleased with us without us doing anything by just accepting you this morning. So Father, come and change everything this morning. And we pray everything now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.